Let this define you. Life's challenges can derail you from your destiny and purpose. We're here to remind you that getting knocked down, no matter how hard, can be the starting point of the best days of your life. Do you believe that your failures can define you in the best way possible? Listen in on Patrick McMullen's conversation with inspiring people who have proven it can. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, where we have the honor of talking to Christy Siefkin, an entrepreneur, executive communications coach, and founder of the GoTo Speaker Method. Many of you may already be familiar with Christy from her impressive career in television, where she served as a journalist, weather chief, and anchor for both Fox and CBS News. Today, Christy has transitioned her expertise to the realm of executive communications coaching, helping professionals enhance their skills and take that next step in their personal and professional development. Join us as we dive into her journey and gain insights into the strategies that got her to where she is today. So, Christy Siefkin, welcome to the Let This Define You podcast. It's great to have you here. For our audience, introduce yourself. Well, first of all, thank you, Patrick. You're I'm excited to be here. You and I have had so many great offline conversations. So now we're making it official, like being official Facebook friends. But now we're official podcasting buddies. I love that. I mean, when you think about podcasting buddies, I mean, it's a whole nother way. Because actually, you know what? I It's really not let this define you. This is the media revenge tour for Patrick. <laughs> I get Maybe tur- for me, too. Oh, <laughs> Be, be careful, Patrick, what you ask for. And uh, so let's get to let's jump into it because we could go off on that all day. We just for might. Sure. So you come so far in your, your career. It's a, just an amazing story. And this is called Let This Define You. We were chatting before you said your career path and your whole life started when you're quite young. Yes. Share the story. Absolutely. First of all, for those that don't have context, I was not a confident, well-spoken person, as a, certainly as a little kid, and even into much of my young adult years. I was a very shy child, which people are surprised to learn, especially if you're in the media, if you're a performer, if you're an actor. People assume, like, oh, you're outgoing, you're very extroverted. There's a lot of us that are in that field of media or performance who are very shy. And that was certainly me. As a little kid, I always stayed very close to my mom. I was always a homebody. I was the kid that got, you know, at slumber parties, homesick, (laughs) you know, being gone for four hours. I never thought I'd leave my hometown to go away to college. Uh, I was very introverted, very reflective. But even at a very young age, I knew I could sense that being like that was keeping me from getting what I wanted. And very specifically, and everyone with a child at home will appreciate this, it was when we had a school play and I wanted a very specific role. I wanted to be Dorothy in the school play of The Wizard of Oz because I was obsessed with Wizard of Oz. I was a Wizard of Oz collector. I'd watched the movie a million times. My mom had sewed me little Dorothy costumes and made me ruby slippers. And I practiced and practiced to audition to be Dorothy for the school play. Wow. And when the time came to raise our hands, who wants to audition for what, I raised it to be a munchkin. I didn't even try out to be Dorothy. 
So you stopped. So even, yeah, even little Christy had kind of the mental block. I don't know that I had a deep awareness of it that, at the time, but as I watched somebody else skipping down the Yellow Brick Road playing Dorothy when I wanted to be Dorothy, this is age five or six. I was pretty young. Wow. I knew that there was something inherently in me that needed to shift and needed to to go for it. I only have that lens on it now as an adult, but I continued to struggle as a as a child of being on the quieter side, being the homebody, and it was only pushing myself outside my comfort zone that I continued to grow. So ending up in the field that I was in, broadcasting, and the field I am now, coaching, teaching, and professional speaking, was a direct result of feeling that pain when I was younger and knowing that it held me back. You had a moment then at some point that it all changed. Yeah. When was that? I think it was a process. There was no no tipping point, if you will. It was a process of putting myself out there repeatedly, falling down <laughs> repeatedly, being embarrassed, but learning to overcome it. And, and this isn't a unique story to me. We have different versions of this, whether it's in our professional life, our personal life, whether it's becoming more comfortable in a sport that you're learning, or if, uh, you know, your, your tentative dating, putting yourself out there, uh, and, and not giving up and realizing I could be bruised seven ways to Sunday and, and be embarrassed, but the stun still rose, and it's still set. And I continue to get incrementally a little bit stronger and, and better each day. And even now, at this point in my life, um, I feel I know the least that I've ever known. Because the more that you learn, the more you realize that you know nothing. And that's part of the excitement of the journey. Amazing journey. And it's a journey that took you from California mm -hmm. to Duke, yep. back to the coast, to become here what you are in Phoenix. Yes. So talk a little bit about that journey. Absolutely. As I mentioned, thought I'd stay at home forever. So home was Sacramento. I grew up in Northern California. Thought I'd stay at home, go to UC Davis. I planned to be a veterinarian. Uh, we've talked a little bit about this, Patrick. Yes, My background is, which people don't necessarily know about, is in dogs. So I grew up showing and training dogs like you see in the movie Best in Show yeah. and you see in Westminster Kennel Club. That's where you and I hit it off because yes. I've got a herd of dogs. i got 20 legs at home. So. <laughs> 20 legs. I love that. 20 wagging tails. Just just don't get hit with 20 legs. <laughs> Your Christmas tree must be uh, in danger every year. <laughs> and my wife doesn't like to take the Christmas tree down. So you imagine the battle we have all year. <laughs> we had German shepherds growing up to start. Oh, wow. So we had many a glass ornament thrown across the room sure. with those tails. Sure. But um, yeah, that I thought I would be, you know, go to UC Davis, stay in Sacramento. I always loved the communications piece as I started to get more comfortable. It was a way to express myself. To perform was a way to get out of my shell that was safe. And so when I went to Duke, I thought, uh, even then, I still thought for a bit veterinary path. Um, I still really was loving the work with dogs. I ended up graduating and working for the American Kennel Club in Manhattan and in North Carolina doing PR marketing. So touching communications, but not the full journalism sure. version. And I was also doing internal business consulting. So I was crunching numbers, writing business plans, doing a cost-benefit analysis for different products that the organization was was testing and selling. And a mentor of mine, I remember so clearly, came up and said, you are hiding your light under a basket. And what she meant by that was, yes, I could execute these things well, but my real gift was 
the communication piece. Yes. And so that was my very first foray on TV was a chance to do a little local TV interview for Responsible Dog Ownership Day. This is back in Raleigh, North Carolina. I bombed it, by the way. You have to remember I have no... Uh, I can't... No way. 100%. I have to find... It's on VHS. I've just dated myself. I've, but I'll find the VHS tape to prove it to you, Patrick. I bet the fact checkers are calling BS right now. <laughs> yes. The, the No, it was bad. It, it was really bad. There was lots of br- blinking which is a tell for me when I'm nervous. I also get a, a chicken wing flap, you know, like, but I just do it with one arm. That's, that's another. A, that's a first on the. That's another tell. These are called, by the way, as I put on my professional coaching hat, these are self-stim behaviors that we all have, not just public speaking, but when we're nervous and where our body is in that fight or flight state, we find ways to self-soothe. So for some, it's twisting your watch. For some, it's playing with your earring. For others, it's swiveling in the chair. I'm guessing you've had some chair swivelers here. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, a little, little bit of it. But we've had some some pros like you that, that <laughs> it's amazing to watch it work. And it you evolved. Like you said, that the light that you were being covered, it's amazing how you have evolved. Well, thank you. That it, I'm, I'm so grateful to that mentor for saying, go do this, try this. And that really set me on the path, although I was terrible that first time, to know that I loved it. The theme, the thread that's run throughout my career has been researching, educating, teaching, uplifting. And so for me, there's multiple ways to do that. Journalism ended up being a way to do that. I was in nonprofits, both American Kennel Club and then later Guide Dogs for the Blind. I got back to the West Coast that way. Uh, My family grew up training guide dog puppies for the blind. So it was near and dear to my heart. Amazing to work for them. Ran an international speakers bureau teaching people to speak about the organization to fundraise. So I started to see this thread also of the power of good communication, whether it was for-profit, non-profit, no matter the topic, no matter the setting, when you can communicate a message well and communicate your ideas well, everything wonderful blossoms as a result. And and that kind of led me to the full-on journalism path. So you, you go back to San Fran, mm-hmm. you end up on the air. I did grad and, school to in journalism and then got to work on air there in grad school, which was in, incredibly lucky. Usually you have to move to somewhere in the middle of Missouri. No offense to Missouri, but usually to a smaller town to get started. Did you enjoy this conversation? To hear more, subscribe to our channel and keep an eye out for the continuation of Patrick's chat with Christy Seifkin. Thank you for joining us and remember to let this define you.